Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, Jake Jackman. Today, standing for Kev uh, for the third time this season on a good weekend for me, Newcastle winning. Um, you can get us on the show at EPL Roundtable and you get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two ends. Um, joined by Sam Carp today. Uh, Sam, if you'd just like to tell everybody where they can reach you. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Sam Carp. I'm a Crystal Palace fan, so also on a bit of a high this weekend. You can... Um... Find me tweeting for the Eagles Beak fan site on match days, and also my personal Twitter account is at Sam double underscore Carp. Yeah, just the two of us on today, but you know, both won this weekend, so I'm sure we'll make it a positive show talking about how much of a mess the top six are, which is where we're going to start the topics for today. We'll start with Liverpool, uh, top of the league, eight wins out of eight, eight points clear. Eight seems to be the magic number for Liverpool at the moment. But yeah, they've made an excellent start to the season. Um, Sam, would you think that now it's it's their league to lose, especially after the City result today? I think um, it's probably a little bit early to be saying it's theirs to lose after just eight games. But I mean, um, it's, it's, um, it's, but if you look at how many, you know, how many points they dropped last season, how many points City dropped, it's um, it's obviously looking very positive. But um, I, th- I, th- I don't know. I just think at the same time, it's very early to be calling that, especially when uh, the team chasing them is one managed by Pep Guardiola. But there are, you know, there are worrying signs for City at the moment. I think obviously that back four is very unsettled without Laporte, and obviously the departure of company over the summer as well. Um, they just look a lot more vulnerable um, defensively, and they're just they're, they're more susceptible to dropping points. I think than they were last season. Um, obviously today as well they didn't score I can't remember the last time that would have happened to them at the Etihad um, which maybe you know might suggest that teams are maybe starting to suss them out a little bit or figure out a way to stop them from scoring um, whereas Liverpool on the other hand you know 17 wins in a row now um, they sort of they've made it a bit of a habit um, they find a way to do so whether you know yesterday rightly or wrongly um, with the penalty but um so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of just momentum at the moment. Um, it's all going for Liverpool with City kind of stumbling on what, you know, isn't necessarily a bad patch, but given how good both of these sides have been, uh, you probably would consider it. Um, you put, would maybe attempt to say that they are struggling a little bit and that gap already looks pretty gaping. Um, with that being said, though, Liverpool will likely hit their own patch of bad form as, you know, they kind of did last season um, when they... <laughs> again it's hard to describe it as a bad patch of form when someone draws a couple of games but that's kind of the standard that these two have set now um, and then you also want you know Salah went off injured yesterday um, if they had a similar major injury to Laporte with I don't know Van Dijk or even a Mane or a Firmino getting injured how that might affect them so um, so yeah they, they couldn't have asked for a better start um, not only from winning 8 out of 8 uh, but also the points that City have dropped um, but I think 
to say for it to be theirs to lose, it's kind of um, it's a, a little bit too early with thirty games still to go. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do agree to an extent, but I just look at the the first few matches um, of the season, the way Liverpool have played. Like, I don't even think they've played that well, and that's the worrying thing. They've got eight wins on the board, and they haven't. I'm really sat and watching the season, thought they played really well. Um, the odd thing is, really, the game against Leicester at the weekend, it was probably one of their better performances of the season. Um, had a lot of really good chances. Uh, you could say they were slightly fortunate at the end with the penalty, but on the on the phase of the game, um, they probably should have been two or three goals clear, and Leicester really only had one shot on target, and that was the goal. So to, to play like that against Leicester was quite a worrying sign for City. Um, it's just strange how City have lost to Norwich, um, and Wolves, Wolves are obviously a team that can do that, but they've they've had a tricky start to season some, uh, season themselves. Obviously with the Europa League as well, they've they had a trip in the week, so it's probably a good time for for City to play them. And, and they just had so many people out, you know, De Bruyne being out last season that wasn't too much of a factor, but this season it seems to be a huge one. He's clearly been the the, the best player in the league so far this season, I think. Um, and him missing, Laporte missing, I think it's huge. Um, you can even go to Mendy and Sane being out, but or at least not playing at the moment for for Mendy. It's that's four players that probably makes them a lot better. So it's it's strange that a team like City would struggle like that. I just think that they don't maybe have the squad depth that we think they do have in certain mm-hmm. positions. I think centre back's the main one. They've lost company, obviously gone off to Anderlecht to do his weird player manager thing, um, and they just didn't sign anybody. And I think they're gonna regret that. Otamendi looks like one of the worst defenders playing for a top six team at the moment um sort of running lover and close for that for that mantle um and then john stones we all know he's a a mistake waiting to happen he's he, the fact him coming back from injury might be a big boost for city sort of shows their, their vulnerabilities at the back and i think even that leadership and company as well in the squad even when he wasn't playing that that's something that might be missing i, I i'm just looking at it and i think liverpool have just got another gear to go up at City obviously do as well but I just think we the fact that Liverpool have got maximum points on the board it is it is really worrying for City um, at this stage uh, we look at their next three matches um, away to Old Tra- uh, Manchester United Old Trafford that's going to be on, on current form should be an easy win for them but a game like that might bring something out of Manchester United you never know um, then they've got at home to Spurs um, and Villa and Manchester City following that so three of the next four games are against so-called top six teams so it'll be interesting to see if at the end of that how many points clear they are um, and if they are sort of a similar level of points clear of City maybe if they're eight points clear then you've got to think it's a really difficult position for City to be in even after 11 games uh, 12 games that would be so it'd be I, I just think that I've, I've I'm now giving them, I think, their favourites. And I and I didn't think that until this weekend's gone now. So I think that they've got mm. to be considered favourites now. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they deal with that pressure. Um, because they, for a team that hasn't won the league for so long, it is, it, it is going to be difficult for them to deal with that pressure. I think last year they did really well with it. You, you th- talked about the bad patch. It was only a couple of draws. But I thought they, you know did really well in the run-in and, and City had to be near faultless to, to win that league. So, yeah, I, mm. I I think it's it's daunting for City now. I think that Liverpool do have another gear to go up. Um, and if they do that and over these next four matches, if they build up a lead even more, maybe if they do beat City in that game in a few weeks' time, it, 
it does look like they could run away with it, which is incredible to think. You know, everyone was criticising their summer, um, not bringing any players, talking about their defensive problems at the start of the season. Still only kept two clean sheets in the Premier League so far, but I just think that it, they're going to get better in attack and they're going to get better in defence. And I, it is, yeah, I, I, I think that it's theirs to lose now. But yeah, I do agree. It's very early and, it, and the team of City's quality, as we've seen over the last few seasons, they can just go, they could go on a 20-game winning run very very easily um and mm. it's the fact that it's manchester city that you've got to you've got to say that it isn't liverpool haven't got it yet but if it was roles reversed if city were eight points clear i'm sure we'd be saying it was city's league already so it's yeah i i do think it's that, um i do agree with that i just think it'll be interesting to see you know how how the sort of weight of history will start to kind of pull away at liverpool a little bit as it, as it has kind of done the last few times they've been in this this sort of position, you know, last season, admittedly, you know, as you said there, City had to go on an unbelievable kind of unprecedented run to win the title. But Liverpool still kind of, they had a lead there, which um, which obviously they couldn't hold on to in the end. I think um, a few seasons ago now when they were top um, and kind of basically had to win their remaining games to hold off City in another situation. And there was that famous night at Sellers Park, um, but more so obviously the Gerrard slip. So, you know, those those things will start to play a factor as well um, as the season goes on. And I think, you know, when these two play each other, those games now become even more important. You know, I think when that game at the Etihad had in January last season, um, I don't think a sort of domestic league game has ever felt so much like a cup final just because, you know, whoever picks up the points in those games is actually so crucial because each side um, so rarely, or last season especially, so rarely dropped points anywhere else. Um, so I think their first the first fixture between these two is in about a month now, is it maybe? A month and a bit. Um, but, you know, that'll tell us a lot as well. I think that first fixture um, is Liverpool can put even more daylight between the two then, then it'll be very hard to see them not, as you said, running away with it, which would be quite a bizarre situation given given how everyone thought City were going to kind of, you know, have this stranglehold of the Premier League for years to come. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think that fixture is going to be huge um, and it'll be interesting to see how that does go in a few weeks' time. But just moving down the league now slightly, or, or a little bit way down the league, depending on how you're seeing this uh, conversation, we're going to talk about two teams historically in the top six for a long time. Uh, Manchester United and Tottenham, obviously struggling a lot this season. Tottenham have had an unprecedented bad week really for them losing you know seven seven two in the champions league to Bayern munich following that up with a, a really bad performance at brighton to lose three nil there um just coming weeks after going out the the um, carabao cup um to colchester it's just been it, it's been a bad start to the season for spurs uh, and manchester united now sitting down in 12th place only two points above the relegation zone it's not going too great for them either um it's it's weird to, to to say this, but what, what how do you rate their start of the season so far? Uh, we'll start with Spurs. Um, why do you think it's sort of gone so bad for them? Um, and do you think that, as amazing as it is to say this, uh, is Pochettino maybe starting to become a little bit of a, a dead man walking there? Because it does seem like he's, it, it might just be that he's taken the club as far as he can and, and maybe it's time for them to, to make that change because it has been a really, really bad week. Um, there's no way of dressing it up. Yeah. Before. No, I mean, I think um, with Spurs, I've just never seen them look so deflated, um, you know, almost just beaten before the games really, really got into, really, really got going. I think against Brighton on Saturday, what was really noticeable was the fact that they were just so heavily outplayed. I think Brighton had something like 15 
20 attempts on goal to Spurs is three or four, whatever it was. It wasn't kind of, you know, it wasn't a lucky smash and grab from Brighton. They completely played Spurs off the park. And I think just everything going on in the background over the summer with, you know, there was the talk of Ericsson, um, Pochettino regularly kind of, you know, he gets linked with a move away to another to another club. And maybe that's all just starting to tell on Spurs a little bit. Um, I've thought for quite a while, even last season, I thought it was incredible that they still managed to make that run to the Champions League final, get into the top four, just based on the fact that um, I think they've looked tired for quite a long time, you know. Um, before this summer, obviously, the only signing that they'd really made to bolster the squad was Lucas Moura. Um, so, you know, it might just be a, it might just be a case of, you know, the same idea being drilled into the same players over and over again. And eventually it kind of runs its course. I mean, it's happens. It happens, at, it happens at teams a lot. You know, you look at Klopp's last season at Dortmund, um, after they'd kind of reached their pinnacle under him, um, it went stale a little bit before he eventually stood down. Um, and whether Pochettino, you know, taking Spurs to that Champions League final, maybe that should have been the point, even though they didn't win it. Um, should have been the stage and we said, look, this is kind of, you know, this is as far as I'm going to be able to take a team like Spurs or this group of players. Um, I know I know they obviously strengthened a little bit in the summer, but it still doesn't feel like they strengthened enough to kind of for him to be able to take them to that next level. So it does kind of look increasingly like um, whatever ideas he's trying to get across to that group of players is kind of just it has run its course now. And as you say, as difficult as it is to kind of utter this, that maybe it would be best for both parties if he were to go. Um, but then on the other side of that coin, you know, he's been their best manager for God knows how long now and has achieved unprecedented success with them. So I don't know if he were to go, what the <laughs> what the future might look like under a different manager might not be any better than how it's going now. Yeah, it's a difficult one with Spurs. Um, a, a couple of interesting stats just to, to start with. Um, Tottenham now have lost more games in 2019 than any other Premier League team with 17. Which yeah, that's it's not great, is it? And obviously they play in more competitions than a lot of the Premier League teams do, but still that's not that's not a great look. Um and, and to include Manchester United in it as well, Cardiff City have won more away matches in the Premier League since the the ninth of February of this year than than both Manchester United and Tottenham combined. So yeah, it's it's really not good for either of those teams. But with Spurs, I think Pochettino has looked like a guy that has maybe lost the enthusiasm for the job, and I thought that as far back as sort of March, April time, obviously the Champions League run uh, was something for everybody to get excited about. Obviously, it gave him that little bit of enthusiasm back, but it, their league form was very poor towards the end of last season. They should have finished outside the top four if if Arsenal or Manchester United, were, either of them, were were decent enough to get there. They they all sort of seemed like none of the teams wanted to finish in the top four. They were losing and dropping points every week, and Tottenham have just continued that form. Um, and they they signed a few players in the summer. It seemed like they'd done a, a good business, strengthening weak area in midfield. Um, and Dombele has looked pretty good, to be honest. But it's the rest of them, Eriksen sort of dropped off. He didn't get his move away. But you'd think if he wants to play for one of those top clubs, he needs to be performing for Spurs. So don't quite understand his his current form. Vertonghen and Alderweireld have, have, have both dropped off in a similar manner. Uh, Lloris once talked about as one of the best goalies in the league is making mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. It's it it's difficult to see where Tottenham go from here and, and how they do improve because it, 
they've got all their best players out there. At least Manchester United at the moment can say, oh, we don't, you know, we've got a number of injuries and that might be the reason why we're we're losing these games. Tottenham can't really say that because they've got all their players on the pitch. So it's odd. Um, And I'm not quite sure where they go. Obviously, it's very easy um, for a team like that with the players they've got. They could easily go on a run of of three or four wins in a row and then it it all gets forgotten about. Um, And they've definitely got the manager and the players to do that. But it's... I can, I think there's something worrying going on behind the scenes. I think that the contract stuff of a lot of these players has, has had an effect on the squad. I think Pochettino has alluded to it on a few occasions. Like, I think they might have just run their course and it, a lot of them want to move on to bigger things and, and that's affecting Tottenham. Uh, and I think it, a managerial change, although it, it's, it will be difficult to let Pochettino go, I think it might... I think they might just need a fresh start and they need to get rid of a lot of these players. Um, if Pochettino has the sort of the, the hunger to rebuild the squad, he's definitely the right man to do it. But if he also, if he's also looking elsewhere and thinking that maybe it's time to move on, then, then maybe Tottenham just need a fresh break. Um, I think in, in the modern game as well, it's, I don't think the players have sort of the attention spans to, to stick with a manager for so long. Um, I think that's why, you know, Pep Guardiola and Klopp always talk about their reigns being, you know, three, four, five years. They don't want any more than that. And Guardiola, that Manchester City are already looking for a long-term replacement with Guardiola. I don't think he'll sign a new contract. I don't think Klopp will either. I think that, I think the game now is just you need that short-termism. It's just, it, it's just what you need. And I think that maybe Pochettino, both he and Spurs need that fresh break. Um, the performance against Brighton was was abysmal. And, and you'd think yeah. if you lose seven-two in in the Champions League. Yeah, it's against Bayern Munich. That can happen. Uh, I think I don't think Bayern Munich will have a better finishing display all season. Um, but you, you want a reaction to that, and the fact that there's no reaction just makes me think that stuff needs to change at Spurs. And and the easy thing to do is to change the manager because you can't change the whole squad. So be interesting to see how it goes. They got Watford at home after the international break. I think that's the one that could see them get back into winning ways. It probably should do, but then they follow that up with a a trip to Anfield, and yeah, that could be a tricky one so yeah I, I think that they I think it's coming to the end of Pochettino at Spurs I don't, I'm not sure they'll sack him but I think at the end of the season I wouldn't be surprised to see him move on um, or if another top job comes up either in Europe or the Premier League maybe he, he might jump at that and to give himself that new challenge because I think it's just kind of run its cause for him at Spurs um, yeah I, I, it's a little bit maybe it's United eh? yeah I think I think that's the one that makes sense uh, I could see him maybe go in there um the thing is, would you want it though? Would you want it at, that, at this stage? You know, like you look at Solskjaer at the moment. I mean, anyone who's gone there since Ferguson, um, Mourinho side, I guess, who in hindsight now looks like he actually managed to achieve something when he got when he won the Europa League and um, a couple, another trophy as well. And I just think I don't know. There's something hideously wrong going on behind the scenes at United. You said it about Spurs there, but I think the problems are even even deeper at United at the moment. Um, uh, just look at even the, that performance against Newcastle today, taking nothing away from Newcastle whatsoever because I thought Newcastle were brilliant. But I think it's just that United have been putting too many performances in like that where there's just not really, um, there just doesn't really look to, doesn't seem to be any game plan in particular. They just seem to be, the game just seems to happen around them. And um, there's never sort of that cut, they lack that cutting edge. Um, you know, the whole summer went on. They let Lukaku leave. They're relying on Rashford up front on his own. If he gets in, injured, what what happens? Like you've got Greenwood, a teenager, coming into the side. 
Um, so, you know, I think there's something fundamentally going on wrong behind the, behind the scenes at United. And if Pochettino is to take another job after Spurs, and if I just don't, I'm not sure whether if I were in his shoes, I'd actually want it to be United because it seems like whatever, whatever rebuilding job um, is going to happen there is never going to, you know, whatever's going on on the pitch is never going to take priority for for the owners above and beyond kind of running that football club as a business, you know, and they trumpet all of their revenues and making records income off the pitch. But, you know, for the fans, as as good as that is, it's, it means nothing when they're seeing them turn in some of the performances like they are at the moment. Yeah, I, I, it, that takes us nicely onto Manchester United. I, I think that any manager would probably see them see the Manchester United job as a good one still, purely because of that that egotistical side of it, thinking they can be the, the person to change things around. And at Manchester United right now, you look at them; they can't really get any lower than they currently are. Like you, it's only it can only really get better um, from here, and, and it, it just needs somebody to come in and be given that time. Um, and and they talk about Solskjaer maybe giving him that time to do it. Uh, I saw Gary Neville on the post match today talking about how Solskjaer needs to be backed and needs to be given time to break to remould the squad and to get rid of and a lot of these players and to make up for the mistakes made in recruitment. And I think that there's a case for that, but I think you need to make that case for it to being a manager that's a little bit more tactically aware than than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and somebody with a little bit more about them. Uh, and Pochettino could be that man. I could definitely. I think it's a good fit for for Manchester United, but yeah, I do agree that does he really want it? Maybe the Spurs rebuild um, is a more attractive one than the Manchester United one at the mm. moment. But if you look at the Manchester United's team today, um, you know, just run down the team: David De Gea, Diego Dalot, uh, Twanzebe, Maguire, Young, McTominay, Fred, Pereira, Mata, James, and Rashford. How many of those get into Liverpool's team? Probably none. Maybe make mm. a case for Maguire, but probably even not Maguire. Um, how many of those get into Arsenal's team? Still not a lot. Yeah, exactly. You might get De Gea, Maguire, maybe Rashford, but that's about it. And it's, the fact that they are in the bottom half of the table at the moment, it's just not It's not really that surprising. Um, they, they, they're in a really, really bad spot. Um so I know you spoke a lot about Manchester United there, but do you sort of see it getting better anytime soon? And, and where do you see them realistically finishing this year? I, to be honest, I don't see it getting any better. I mean, like it's been like this for a while now. Um, you know, they had that sort of honeymoon period with Solskjaer last season when they couldn't stop winning. But, you know, once that was over, there's not really been any sign that he is capable of kind of turning it around. I don't think, especially not this season. Um and to be fair for them, they're playing like a team that look like relegation candidates rather than anything else. Um, I think he, I think um, Solskjaer referred to it after the game as kind of an uphill battle to make the top four. Top four now, and I think that's <laughs> the fact that United think they could even make the top four at the moment is is ludicrous the way that they're playing. Um, to be honest, I think I think top like finishing sixth would be good for United this season. Um, but I just think there are so many teams improving around them um i generally wouldn't swap their front five for a team like west ham's um i think leicester's front five is more effective than theirs uh i mean you look at the game again today you don't really can you remember that many chances that they were able to create um you go back to the game on thursday the europa league clash didn't have a single shot on target um it is really really worrying for them at the moment and 
I don't think they've really got the quality within the squad to kind of reverse the slides. I mean, I'm sure they'll, you know, they'll win the odd game at Old Trafford um, just by virtue, you know, of being Manchester United. And they still, they've still got some good players, but it's not. It's such an imbalanced squad with a manager at the helm who just, I don't know, just doesn't have the savvy about them to kind of reverse a slide like this. I, I just can't really see them making too many inroads on that top six. Um, I think they'll slowly. But surely make their way back up the table, but they're definitely not going to set the legal eyes to. No, I definitely agree. I think even you can look at a team like Bournemouth. Like I, Bournemouth, they don't have, they have those big name players, but at least they've got an identity, and you can see what they're doing. Um, I, mm. I don't even think Man United are better than them at the moment. It, it, they've just fallen so far down. Like today, that they're chasing the goal, and they bring on a a seventeen year old who hasn't scored a Premier League goal. Like a club that's like Manchester United need more than that. Um, it's. You know, if it wasn't Manchester United, I'd, I'd almost feel sorry for their supporters. But <laughs> after the success they've had, I find it difficult to do that. But yeah, it's 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 a troubling spot for them. I think they probably need to pull the trigger on Solskjaer sooner rather than later. Um, it was a nice story, him coming back. He had a very nice run. And then I think a lot of the former players in the media got a little bit carried away. Uh, I don't think the performances ever warranted him getting the job really he had a lot of nice results but the performances were never really that great even when they were on that that long winning run um and there's managers out there that are available that will probably come in and take this Manchester United job on um and do a better job at it um it's 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 going to be a difficult one there's going to need to be patience I think more important than the manager they need to sort out the board and, and who's making the footballing decisions up there because Ed Woodward Although he's a very good businessman, or at least he's supposed to be with a lot of the sponsorships he gets. He's not a footballing person. He's not making good footballing decisions. Um, a club that, that didn't get into the Champions League last year shouldn't be selling a striker for £70 million and not replacing him. That's just ludicrous. And the fact they've now got Greenwood and they're, they're putting so much hope on him. He's a 17-year-old. You know, He should be out on loan. He should be... Getting games, he shouldn't have to deal with the, the pressure of coming on it in a Premier League game and trying to get um, Manchester United back into a game. It's 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 worrying. But yeah, I, I, Tottenham are definitely not in a, a spot as bad as Manchester United, but neither of them look like it's going to get better anytime soon. Uh, both got Liverpool on the horizon, and that's going to be a difficult game. It's one that could potentially turn things around for either club if they put in a big performance. It might just be one that that, that finally gets it. You know, pulls everybody back together, gets that big, big result, and then you can start to build from there. But the way they're playing at the moment, I can't see either of them getting anything from that game, and it's yeah, it's going to be interesting how it goes because I I don't think I remember a team as big as Manchester United doing as poorly as they are mm. at the moment. That you know, you, you can joke about a relegation battle, but it's not even like it's not even that unrealistic at this point. It's <laughs> it, it, it's not though. It's, you look at some of the teams at the bottom. Um, you know, you, you look at Watford, everybody thinks that they, they're probably going to find some form at some point. You've got Everton down there, you know, Everton uh, have got a lot of good players. Southampton, you know, it, it's, I don't even, I, I'm not saying imagine it, not going to get pulled in, but it's not, you look at their squad and it's not, you don't think it's impossible. It's, no. the fact they're, you know, more likely to go down with the bookmakers than they are to win the title in October for Manchester United, that is really, really worrying. Um, 
We'll move yeah. on from there because we can agree that Tottenham and Manchester United are both a mess. And we'll move on to, to our club, Sam. We'll move on to, to Crystal Palace first and foremost. Uh, a very good win yesterday, moving you into the top four for a little bit until today when Chelsea and Arsenal both won. Um, but yeah, Palace, a lot of people spoke about them before the season as, as ones that could potentially be pulled into the relegation fight. They may still be, uh, especially with a lot of the stuff that went on with Zaha. But, you know, 14 points from eight games beating West Ham away from home, a team that many people think could could challenge for that top six. A very good day, and I think that maybe getting under the radar. Uh, how, do you, how do you rate that game and just your season as a whole so far? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Um, yeah, so um, I mean, pleasantly surprised, I think, on both fronts in terms of both the game yesterday and the season so far. Um, I think, you know, West Ham have been very, very good at the London Stadium, despite the fact that it is such an awful ground. They seem to have kind of turned it into a bit of a fortress. Um, and going there, I wasn't entirely optimistic. We've not got a great record against West Ham. We hadn't beaten them for about eight games. Um, but I think it, it probably turned out to be our most impressive performance of the season. Um, we rode our luck at times a little bit in the first half. Guaita made a great save um, from Haller, uh, from point blank. Um, but other than that, I thought, you know, it was kind of a back and forth fixture. Um, in the second half, I thought we started to control it a little bit more. Even after they went ahead, we didn't really panic. Um, got the penalty to equalise, and then obviously the kind of whole VAR situation towards the end. But um, it was just, it was kind of emblematic of the season so far for us. Really, we've looked. No one was particularly optimistic going into the season. I think, like a lot of people looking in, Palace fans themselves weren't. Um, you know, I think we would we were widely expecting ourselves to be in a relegation dogfight again. Um, and like you said, that could still be the case. But it's starting to look a little bit like just having some of that consistency, both with Hodgson, um, having the sort of settled squad. Um, I think that's starting to have a positive effect. And I thought kind of yesterday, looking at both ourselves and Burnley being in that top five for however long it was, um, I think it just says something for you know keeping faith in the manager for a little bit. There have been lots of times when Palace fans have called for Hodgson's head because he's not getting enough out of what is a decent squad. Um, and I'm sure at Burnley as well, there have been times when they've questioned whether they're going a bit stale and dice, especially last season, um, after they had that sort of slow start after the Europa League stuff. Um, but you know, just having two managers, just having a manager for that long period of time, like the players start to understand what their jobs are under him. 
um, keeping that settled squad as well means that you know you're not having to constantly bed in new players. And I think it's really starting to show this season for us in particular. We just look like a very well organised outfit. Um, we're just sort of competing in every game, which I think is kind of a staple of a Hodgson side uh, with the 4-0 against Spurs side, I guess. Um, but, you know, just being able to compete in every game is something that I think we'd be able to do. And, um, yeah, so starting to feel a little bit more optimistic about it. Um, next game is City uh, at home, uh, which obviously is will be a real test. But I think if we beat them, then we go above them. So, uh, yeah, it's hard not to be optimistic at the moment with the way we start the season. Yeah, if you just said that at the start of the season that the eight games in you've got City next and if you beat them you go above them, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't turn down that start. Um no, it has been not. has been excellent. I think that, that Hodgson is a man you know what you're gonna get from it. As you said, they're gonna be well organised. Your players know their roles in the team, um and sort of it, anybody can come into that team and do well. Like Martin Kelly's performances this season have shown that he's 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 never really been a first teamer for Palace, um and he's come in this year and he's just he looks like a really, really good centre back, and it's yeah. it is. I think that's down to Hodgson. Um, we had it at Newcastle when we had Benitez that players just knew their roles, and you knew that you were never going to get battered in a game. And I think, you know, it might have happened a few weeks ago against Spurs, but take that game out of it. Seven games played, and you've only conceded four goals. Um, if you take that Spurs game out, so it's been a really, really good start. And I think that building from the back like that means that if you don't score goals, it's not necessarily the biggest issue. Um, because if if the other team aren't scoring, you only have to score one, um, and that's something that you've kind of found a way to do this year. And I think the weekend win, especially, is is, is impressive because you came from behind, um, mm. and that that sort of shows a, a a team spirit and a a belief that even if you do concede a goal, you've still got the ability to get back in it and and win games. And I think that's huge. And and Looking at it now, you mentioned Burnley there. I, I don't think either of those teams are going to get involved in the, the fight at the bottom purely because when they they play these sort of inconsistent teams, that they can just stay in a game and, and then just nick one. Um, and you've got a player in Zaha that I don't think has really played as well as he can do this year, but you know he's got no. a level to go up and he's probably going to find that in the next you know five, six weeks. And, and when you've got that as well, he's going to add a, a bigger goal threat than you already have. Um but a player I just want to quickly mention uh, is Jordan Ayew. Obviously, got the goal at the weekend. Mm. Um, was it didn't have a great sort of loan year at Palace, but it came in on a permanent, and and it seems like he's settled in well, and he's really overtaken Benteke in that forward spot. Do you think that have you been slightly surprised by his development this year? Because um, oh, he's definitely. a player that's been in England for a few years, and and now he seems to have finally found his his best form under Hodgson. <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing with um, Jordan Ayew is that he was probably kind of an object of ridicule last season at Palace. His performances really weren't that great. Um, and he didn't get that many chances. So, you know, when he came on for sort of 15, 20 minutes, didn't score, it was kind of feeding that narrative of, oh, here's another Palace striker who can't find the back of the net. Um, so when he arrived in the summer for 2.5 million or whatever it was, um, I think it was kind of seen as a low risk move, um, but also one that also one that kind of everyone just sort of shrugged their shoulders at. It wasn't one which we thought would massively affect that starting eleven. He was kind of going to be a squad player who didn't have that much influence. But he really has started the season like a completely different player. I know that's a really cliched thing to say, but it is um it's been incredible to see his transformation, to be honest. Um it's not necessarily the goal threat that he carries, but it's more the work that he does off the ball. 
which as we were kind of saying before is something that's really valuable in the Hodgson side um the amount of times that he kind of wins the ball back just from hassling defenders and the and the chances that that creates um I think that's something that's really endeared him to the Palace fans um because even if you're not particularly gifted as a footballer I think if you're showing a willingness to work hard and it's something that kind of you know makes you a lot more popular not only with Palace fans but any team that kind of is of a similar stature to us you know one of those usually battling around the relegation zone um and yeah he started to add goals to his game as well he scored a great one against Aston Villa a few weeks ago his goal at United he took really well and then yesterday was kind of one of those places where you want your striker to be he was in the right place at the right time he anticipated that knockdown from Kelly um and it also you know the you can kind of see how much it means to him. I think he did. I think he had a really, really tough time of it last season. It kind of got to him. You could see when he scored his goal at Wolves last year, he kind of broke down in tears a little bit because his, I think he was so overwhelmed. And um, yeah, I think it's it's been great to see, as I say. And I don't think he's ever going to be that kind of 15, <laughs> 20 goal a season striker that we've been desperately needing to take us to that next level. But um I think as someone just sort of filling Mobenteke's obviously not been that been that guy. Um it's been a really pleasant surprise and one that um fingers crossed continues. Yeah, and I th- I think it, it probably will continue. You've got a tough run coming up, but I, I think Palace are a team I always think can just win the games they're meant to win. And if you do that in the Premier League you are gonna stay up and you are gonna have a good season uh, and get a couple of big wins against the top six. Um like you've already had the season against Manchester United. So, yeah, I think it's been a really good start. And I think that you can be quietly confident that you'll be fine this year and, and have another decent year in the Premier League. Um, and especially getting the points on the board now means that the FA Cup becomes an option. If you have got, say, you know, more than 25 points at, at the turn of the year, you could sort of go in and think that that competition is one that you can go and target. Um, so yeah, I think they're in a really good spot. But because there's only two of us on today, we'll touch on Newcastle <laughs> because they had a... An okay result today. We'll start <laughs> to say the least after last week. I thought I'd given up on Steve Bruce. Well, I'd given up on Steve Bruce when he was appointed, but especially after last week, five nil away from home does, with ten men doesn't matter. You know who you're playing. To lose five nil is is pretty poor, uh, and just the 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 energy levels in that game was just quite disappointing to see as a fan. But you know they went away, looked at themselves. Manchester United at home is a nice one to come back to. It's one that. You're not expected to win, but you know you've got a really, really good chance of doing so. Um, and we sort of came out in a similar way to how we did last season uh, with Benitez of five at the back. Um, and just looked quite solid. I think Manchester United only had one chance, really, uh, coming from a set piece um, from Maguire that he probably should have scored. But they didn't really create a lot in open play. Um, I think that we, you know, the fact we've had we had, you know, two two academy graduates in the centre of midfield, Matthew and Sean Longstaff, you know, one's 19 years old, one's 21 years old. And the fact that, that, that Sean Longstaff is seen as the experienced one in the midfield is, it's incredible that they sort of played with the maturity that they did. And they really backed each other up quite well. They sort of had slightly different games. Sean, Sean's one that sort of sits and, and dictates the game and, and can pick a pass. Whereas, you know, Matthew coming in today, he sort of was running about a bit. He had a lot of energy, was chasing down every single ball. You could do that when you're 19 years old, but it, and, and obviously on his Premier League debut, but he, he did look really, really good um, and didn't look 
faith to be playing in the Premier League in such a big game, um, picking out, you know, 30, 40 yard passes in, in the first half, had a, a good strike from range that hit the bar, then went on and scored the winning goal. Like he's, he can't really have a better debut than he did. Um, and it, it's, it's encouraging to see that we are, that our academy is finally starting to, to develop some players of note. You know, you've got two players there that look like they can, can only get better, uh, obviously early days, but, and, and, and they're not always going to be that good. Um, but it, it's encouraging to see that there are players down in our academy that are capable of coming up and playing in the Premier League because I don't think we've had that for a long time. Um, some of you have a lot of Palace, um, you know, Zaha and, and Wan-Bissaka, the obvious ones, but we mm. haven't had many come through recently. But, you know, today you had Andy Carroll coming back on. He obviously came for our academy a long time ago. You've got Paul Dummett on the bench. Like There's starting to be some players coming through, and I think that's, that's really important and probably one of the few positives of the Mike Ashley reign is that we don't have players to keep these guys out of the team. And and if they are even only, you know, you think they might be good enough at Premier League level, they get a chance and then, it, you know, it's up to them whether they take it. And I think that today, both of them look, look class in the middle of the park um, and it will only give them plenty of confidence going forward. And it was a game we really had to win, I think. Um, you know, that that's our second win of the season. Beating Tottenham and Manchester United, so obviously a team for the big occasion uh, I'd like to see us win a few more games like you know we had Brighton and Watford that we drew to at home recently I'd want to see us win a game like that um, but you know I take the wins as they come um, and I think that that's something to build from and if we can continue to play like that yeah it's going to be a little bit boring to watch at times but we can grind out results that way and, and you look in attack you've got Almiron and, and St Maximum today they're just full of pace and running and they can cause problems for opposition teams um, I think there's going to be a lot more to come from St Maximum in particular I think he's just looks an absolute you know he's, he's the type of player you pay to watch uh, kind of similar to what we had with Ben Arthur a few years ago but he, he does look like he's very lively going to be very frustrating but gives us that X factor that maybe we haven't had um in the last few weeks, and I think he's going to be really important because, you know, although we're not in a relegation zone after that, we've only scored five goals this year, and that is absolutely abysmal for a Premier League team. We really need to sort <laughs> that out. But yeah, we'll take it. A 1 0 win at home. Um, it, it's a decent one. But kind of just interested before we wrap up um, to ask you what, what are your thoughts on Newcastle as an outsider? Obviously, I'm, I'm quite negative on them as a supporter obviously we went from Rafa Benitez to Steve Bruce I don't think there's been a bigger managerial downgrade than that but as, as an outsider looking in sort of where do you sort of rate Newcastle and are they ones that you think you know are we a team that you think are probably going to be in that bottom three or, or at least competing for it uh, because that, that's probably my view uh, I'm not sure if I'm being overly negative or not <laughs> I think um <clears throat> My view is kind of like a Palace fan is probably similar of Newcastle is probably kind of similar of what a Newcastle fan's opinion of a Palace team would be. You know, you're kind of looking at them as one of the teams that you're wanting to finish above. If you know what I mean from that perspective. But um, I think the only reason that really fuels that is obviously because of what goes on behind the scenes at Newcastle. Um, the appointment of Steve Bruce is one that I think fills fans of other teams with confidence um, because it is Steve Bruce. But at the same time, you know, I don't think. I've always, whenever it comes to sort of relegation battle, I've always looked at Newcastle and thought that they'll have enough to see it through just on the basis of, you know, um, you've got some good players. I think it's, very, I think St. James is a very intimidating place to go. Um, 
and you have got some very good players, as you said. St. Maximin looked really good today. Um, the long staff's incredibly positive. Um, I think, as you say, though, I think it's been a problem for Newcastle for quite a while. It's just that goal scoring element. Um, not sure whether Joe Linton is the answer. Obviously, I know he's got is it one or two this season already, but I just don't think he looks that much of a threat. Or if, likewise with Palace, you know whether he's going to be that guy who's going to get you those fifteen goals. That's kind of going to guarantee you safety and just get you those one nils from a from a sort of chance out of nothing um but yeah i mean looking in there've been some worrying results obviously you mentioned the 5 nil, um and it's all well and good beating the spurs beating the united but you what you really want to be doing is beating those teams in and around you which is kind of how you start pulling away from that relegation zone um so yeah i don't know i think it's it's a tricky one with newcastle as i say because you kind of I think as a lot of supporters um, of other teams actually want Newcastle to be quite good because it is such a great club um, with a great fan base and it is just kind of frustrating to see every season Ashley very much holding them back. Um, so I always try not to sort of point to them as one that I want to fin- <laughs> that I want to be in the relegation relegation zone. And I, th- I, th- I think it'll be just about okay this year and then, who knows, fingers crossed Ashley will finally sell up as rumours have recently resurfaced again yeah it, it, that has got to be the hope um, and I think you know if we play like we did today I think we've got a good chance of staying up but I think we'll definitely be ones that are down there um, and that's what happens when you get rid of your two top goal scorers from last season and bring in somebody from Germany that doesn't have a, a proven track record not that I think Joel Linton's a bad player he looks, I think he's probably going to be alright in the long term but it's a, it's a big ask on, on somebody with that lack of experience yeah. to come in and and get those 15 goals um you know you had Rondon there yeah, he's, he was approaching the end you know he's getting towards 30 but you knew he was going to score goals and he, he scored many a goal last season out of nothing and I just don't know if Joel Linton's going to do that it, it, I think it's unfair to say he's he's, he's going to you know a waste of money or anything like that but I think it just shows that the lack of foresight of the club just to put that pressure on a young player well any sort of track record yeah it's difficult but yeah it, today I'm positive um happy it's the international break so you know I can enjoy this for a little bit longer before we get our next bad performance that's no <laughs> doubt coming but yeah with that we are out of time for today uh so if you just like to tell everybody where they can reach us Sam that'll be a good time yeah cheers Jake um I'm Sam Cop. I'm uh, writer for the Eagles Beak Palace fan site and you can find me on Twitter at Sam double underscore cop yeah, you can uh, get the show um, on Twitter at EPL Roundtable. We also have a championship show, and there will be a show on that coming out in the next few days. So check that one out. You can get my Twitter at Jake Jack with two ends. But yeah, just um, thanks to Sam for, for coming on today, and thanks for you guys uh, for listening. And we hope you join us again next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.